welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure, the podcast where Kim and Amy bring you spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations, maybe for whatever (laughs) we read this week. Amy, you're in charge. What did we read? We read How to Marry a Marquis, Marquis, yeah. By Julia Quinn. I think in Amer- I think American wise, it's how to marry a marquis, maybe. Well, it's a French word, eh? But I always assumed maybe she was going for alliteration in the title. I always thought that she was like rhyming "marry" with "marquis." That's so in my head, or maybe that's why I thought it was pronounced that way. Anyway, I can attest that it is pronounced "marquis." Because I listened to the audiobook. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I did not. I How read the hard copy book, so mm. I pronounced it unevenly in my head the whole time. <laughs> I'm sure that's yep. your prerogative. But yes, we are back with Julia Quinn. We haven't done a Julia no. Quinn in ages. We haven't. I mean, she hasn't really written anything that's been outside weird Bridgerton like universe. Yeah, that's right. Expansion um, things at the moment. Things, yeah. Julia. <gasps> Yeah, I'm ready to start a I'm new I'm ready for series. a new world. Yeah, me too. Plus, the last thing I think I read of hers outside of that was maybe Minx or something, and I was oh, burned. Oh, yes, it was. I think I was burned and was like, oh, no, I'm out. Well, Minx was very early. It this very one early. is an earlier one of hers. This it is, is pre-Bridgerton in terms of when it was written, and it's yeah. the second book in this little two-book series called Agents of the Crown, yeah. Crown that completely stand alone, but the characters sort of appear in each other's books. Yeah, the two guys are friends, and we marry both of them off over two books, yeah. basically. So this one works on its own, and we – this isn't a recommend, but this is a book that's been on our shelf for ages, and we read this for the first time. We did. We've, I, this was a reread. I'd read this ages ago. But it was – I remember precisely when mm. you first read it, I think we must have purchased it in – London yeah, or Scotland or something yeah. because you were reading it on New Year's Day 2011 in the hotel room we were in in Reykjavik. Yeah, because nothing was open and we had gone to a very boozy degustation the, the night, night before. before. And I had left you to go and find coffee and I returned At an hour like and a half later. in the afternoon. <laughs> because there was only one coffee shop yes. open and it was all the way down the other end of the street. And you and I it was back. cold and it was dark and I wanted nothing from outside of our room and I was like, bring me a muffin, I'm reading romance novels and drinking tea. Kimberly. Yes. Do you want me to do the spoiler free? You can do the spoiler free. Sorry. I gift it to you. Oh, so, so sweet. So this is a Regency romance novel. I love how you always do that. You're always like, you do it. Wait, just before you start, allow me to interrupt. <laughs> it's historical. This one for fans of the Bridgerton series, this is when Julia Quinn developed her character of Lady Danbury. Oh, yes. Mm, this is her first appearance. Yeah, this is where she really, begins. Mm-hmm. And so we are at the home of Lady Danbury. In the country. In the country, but not super outside London. Like, close enough to London you could day trip it, right? And she is, she has a companion named Elizabeth Hotchkiss. And Elizabeth Hotchkiss is part of the local gentry of the area. And her mother and father both died. Her dad both died about five years ago. And they are pretty much trying to just survive on what her father left. They don't have an income. She has herself and three younger children, two girls and a little boy. The little boy is... He's a baronet. Yeah, so he's Sir Lucas, eight years old. For the last five years, she has been the companion to the aging dowager countess, Lady Danbury, who, for those of us who have read Bridgerton, 
is crotchety and has sarcastic. a cane. She's sarcastic. She has a cane. She likes to thump on the ground. And she's old and is like, I get to say it how it is, righty, righty, right. But is a sweet old lady. Isn't like one of those awful kind of women. She's got a heart of gold. She's got a heart of gold. a crusty exterior. Yeah. They have kind of just been rubbing along fine together. But the money has run out. So the five years that she has been able to keep her siblings with her and keep the family together, they've been kind of scraping by, but they've reached a point where there is simply not enough money. Once the lease on their little cottage comes up, they're going to be stuffed. But the other thing that she is always carrying on about is she needs money because she has to send Lucas to Eton yes. as per his birthright. Yes. As opposed, there's less talk about like, oh, what are we going to eat tomorrow and more talk about, but Lucas must go to Eton. Yes, because I think I think Lady Danbury would have made sure they could eat. Like I don't think anyone in her family was going to Yeah, starve she just doesn't like death. charity. So sometimes uh-huh. what she's doing is like she's giving them all the food and being like, oh, no, no, I'll just eat at Lady Danbury's. Exactly. She's been using her wages, which aren't very much, but, you know, she's been using enough her wages. Enough for one person to survive on. Absolutely, but not enough for a family yeah. of four. So she has decided at the very start of the book she's going to absolutely have to marry, and she's going to have to marry for money. Her siblings are concerned because the only person who has shown any interest in marrying her is old and crotchety and awful and fat and horrendous and Skeezy mean and-, and sleazy and looks at the younger girls in a way that makes Elizabeth uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. So she goes to work the next day and finds a book in the library called How to Marry a Marquis. It's just sort of lying there. Yes. It's red. And so she is like, this is what a like, crazy coincidence. It's I was just thinking about that I'm going to have to marry and that I know nothing about how to marry. She figures her best way forward is to hopefully meet someone in her employ at Lady Danbury's. So she's like, I'm going to have to maybe weasel an invitation or something to a party and try and meet somebody. Lady Danbury does have a couple of functions coming up that Elizabeth is like, okay, I could probably find a way to be to go to those functions and maybe meet someone. So she, against kind of all her moral concerns, pockets this book and takes it home. And her sister is quite funny and they have like a kind of joint, make this little partnership about finding Elizabeth's husband. Susan, 14. Susan, who is 14. So at the other end, we have James, who is Lady Danbury's nephew, but she essentially raised him from the age of about eight or nine. Yeah. Because many reasons, plot reasons. And so... (laughs) Insert plot here. Insert plot. James Sidwell, the Marquis of Riverdale. Thanks. I know I'm here for a reason. I know. (laughs) And so Lady Danbury, meanwhile, has written to her nephew and said, look, I'm being blackmailed. I need you to come to Danbury House and there's no one here anymore who knows you. He's been away working for the war office for 10 years or more. And so she's like, no one will recognize you. Come and pretend to be my estate manager, a new estate manager, and I will try and, you know, you can help me solve this plot about blackmail he turns up they meet she is trying to like ends up trying to practice her wiles on him because she knows she can't marry james the estate manager he won't have enough income, income to send to lucas her. to eat him, I don't know. mr siddons and so yeah so that's kind of it she's super clumsy he suspects her of blackmail for a bit in the end they become friends and he finds the book, which is ironic and hilarious, that she has a book called How to Marry a Marquis, and he is a secret Marquis. But uh, she does not know. No, the, hence the secret part. 
yes, then there's that kind of typical romance plot line of man helps woman he is attracted to but in denial about find, like, practice how to find a spouse or a partner and in the process discovers he does not want her to find a partner for he is that partner, etc. <laughs> and that's kind of it. That's the that's what you're dealing with. There's a masquerade. Costumey yeah. ball. Someone's Costume-able. dressed like a pumpkin. I always remember the pumpkin. When I think back and I'm like, this is the book with the pumpkin. Yeah. And it's not really it's the key central. thing about the book, but visually I enjoyed that image in my mind. So, Amy. That's my spoiler-free summary. What did you think of How to Marry a Marquis on rereads? This was many moons It's later practically now. a new read it is. Me. It was almost a new read for me, mm. too. I did remember it sparked I remember the emotional When I started, points. I was like, oh, and this the is the one with the book. So I remembered that, and I remembered Lady Danbury, and I remembered her family. Yes. Anyway, and go on. I found... Hang on, I don't need that many pauses. I found that his his motivation for why he wasn't just telling her he was the Marquis was a little bit feeble. Like And went for too long. Especially when when Lady Danbury trusts her so much and he trusted her enough. Like she knew about the blackmail plot. Yeah, so that sort of that her role and his role in the blackmail plot seems to get resolved too like quickly enough for the oh, but why don't you just tell her who you are thing was like Clearly there to be an obstacle to them, but yes. it was too obviously being an obstacle. It was obstacle. a bit contrived. Yeah, it was too contrived. And her, like, she made, like, sense to start, but there were some moments where she was, like, annoyingly stubborn and I wanted to, like, Anna Green Gable shake her. Like, yeah. half the time I read those novels, I'm like, Anne, stop it, get a grip. I don't read Anne of Green Gables, fair enough. <laughs> and there are some moments in this book where, like, I like both of the characters and I really like their friendship with yeah. each other. But the problem you have with that, I'm going to teach you how to do this thing, is that you end up with these, like, 90s eye roll moments of, geez, you punch like a girl I when know. I'm teaching you how to self defend yourself. A or, girl punches like this, a man punches like this. Or, and I'm like, oh dear, it's the 90s again, isn't it? You throw like a girl and you're like, ugh, eye roll, and then flip to the front of the book. Yeah, this is published in 1999. Yes. I actually want to say that, like, the pumpkin I remember in this is the character, the heroine from the previous novel. Yes, she comes how to, to catch an heiress. Yeah. Or to catch his, an heiress. Something like that. And I remember reading that after I read How to Marry a Marquis. Yes. And the reason that we've read this one and not that one is because that one, he kidnaps her. And yes. he, like, kidnaps her into love and it's ugh. Yeah, it's ugh. gross. But the big highlight of this book for me, besides the fact that they are both two very likable characters and they have these little, like, vulnerability moments that make me have my usual romance novel cry. Cute. Particularly, oh, the end. Oh, all those different end machinations like the letter the that's uh, the only bit the very final letter it makes you cry the, the very it final well. it, the very final letter was like oh even this time <laughs> even this time on reread that really got me that might have been my mum hat a is little that bit. how you went oh because yeah. I wrote down, boy, did I cry. Uh, that final letter especially, Gimli's like, And I'm Aww. like, oh. Yeah, that's the, that's the equivalent over here yeah. in, like, uh, in no. like stone heart. Town. I had a big old gold sob. 
But the highlight of this book for me is Lady Danbury. Absolutely. It's, she is... This is her book. This is her book, even though she's not front and centre. She's so important to it. And that nature she has of adopting lost souls, which becomes really pertinent, particularly in my favourite Bridgerton novel, Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, where she's central to the lost souls finding who they are. Yeah. Becoming like having that sort of coming of age type story, and I story. loved the I loved the semi motherliness of her in this, in that way of going, I see you, I fully and properly see all of who you are. Yes, that way of that, you know what I mean. And it's if we I, like in my head, I categorize it as maternal, but it doesn't have to be boxed like that at all. But in this case, it is a maternal or grandmotherly kind of thing that. For all of her noisiness and her crotchetiness and her seem seemingly kind of self-focused, you know, demands and things like that. Brusqueness. Yeah. She is actually watching you and, and she's a, watching you grow and doing what you with need. With care. Yeah, absolutely. And Elizabeth cares for Lady Danbury. Like there's a whole moment where Lady Danbury's like, I'm going to take a la- nap. And I Elizabeth worries because she's like, oh, my God, I was there for like five years. Yeah. She's not well. What's yeah. wrong with her? But everyone's like, wow, she's really terrifying. How, how have you lasted so long? She's like, well, she's actually not really terrifying. Yeah, and we like, get along, we've got a similar sense yeah. of humour. We care about each other. I really like Lady Danbury has this hideous cat called Malcolm. Yeah, I like that the name of the cat is Malcolm. That's my favourite part of the cat. I also like I the central. Malcolm's I like arc. Yes, I loved Malcolm's arc. I really enjoyed Malcolm's character arc. It was great. <laughs> He was a nice, nice little sort of tidbits throughout. Absolutely, that yeah. The other thing I really liked about this novel was that it was set. It wasn't set in London. Me I do too. really I like those too. those contained yep. novels that happen with limited amounts of characters in a particular location. Yeah, feel often a lot more cohesive. It also, I think, for me, I I find I buy in easier. I like it because they fall in love quite quickly. That's kind of always the case. It's very rare that we read one of these mm. novels and that they've... In the com- country, in each other's company, and it takes them ages. Six months, so. yeah. So they fall in love quite quickly, and I always find that a little bit easier to believe in these contexts where the cast of characters is incredibly small. And, and they're the with amount, each other all the time. Yes, the amount of time they've spent together alone in each other's company is kind of unprecedented for that era. And the other thing that makes them work quite nicely is that because they're not in the middle of the place where everyone's looking at them with so yes. much focus, they have a little bit more freedom. Yes. And that allows it's a bit more it to casual be a bit more, and relaxed. Yeah, the yeah. casual and this gives the believability to the interactions. Absolutely. But the I banter liked, was good. The banter, the banter was great. all the way through. The banter they have with Lady Danbury, the banter Lady between Danbury has with everyone between one another. With Malcolm. Between with the Malcolm. siblings. So it's kind of yeah, the the banter and relationship dialogue I think is spot on in this book. And the bit what warmed my heart, they did have a friendship and they genuinely liked each other. And I yeah. always really enjoy novels where that's their starting point. Oh, yeah, that's I like our favourite foundation. Yeah, rather that's than, always our favourite foundation. I hate you! Friend and, what, or, enemies I don't into know lovers. if I like you or not, but all I know is that my... My loin regions want your loin regions, and you're like, oh. What excellent. was the previous one that we read where you were like, oh, it was you slay me. The previous you slay one, me, where it was just penis. like, <laughs> your ma- I, I hate you, but your penis is magical. Like, I don't need that. I don't need that. I, just, I don't want that narrative. We've Thanks sort of overlapped into each other, but I really enjoyed this book. I, you know, yes, her her motivation, like just 
I've heard enough about you wanting to send Lucas to Eton. <laughs> your fixation. So annoying. It's so funny that that was your, like, that was the thing for you that you held on to because I found, I, I, would like, have, I still I have other things more. to add. I would have thought more her being like, I'd really like for my family to live comfortably yes. with full cupboards rather than, she never mentions that. She just no. is like, but Lucas must go as per his standing. I'm like, hey, Elizabeth, there's bigger things in life. They're yeah. going to a snotty private public, yeah. whatever it is, school where you yeah. have to wear a top hat. Who cares? I also thought it was funny cupboard? when he gets very upset towards the end when he's like, I'm starting to feel that I may never go to Eton now. <laughs> and I just, all I could think was, what an awful time so many of those boys had. had that yes, because we've read some books where they're like, I was so badly I was, bullied. I was bullied so badly that I almost like ran away to Africa yeah. for the rest of my day. Now. But, yes. Oh, we oh, can't possibly go and have his rite of passage being harassed yeah. by other boys. So her money motivation was a little bit, yeah. and his not telling her his true identity was a bit uh, and drawn yes. out. Clearly, those exist as obstacles. Some nineties eye roll, but on the whole, really enjoy the characters in this novel, and I would recommend it. Great, I enjoy it. It's okay. still on my shelf. Your turn. My turn. So I started reading this because it was a reward I gave myself for finishing another book that was horrendous. But Stay tuned, listeners. Stay tuned. That's a conversation <laughs> for another day. But this was one that I was, I remembered liking it. I didn't remember the plot. I remembered it was the one with Lady Danbury. Yes. And I remembered really, really liking Did you remember the pumpkin? No, I only mm. remembered Lady Danbury before I picked the book up. And I thought, well, I'll listen to the audiobooks. They had a copy for loan at our library and I thought that'll be my reward I started it and I was like I remember when she found the book I was like I remember this now oh this is great and I also really cannot say enough how much I enjoyed the audiobook version of this it did make the 90s bits harder to cope with because or more annoying because they're harder to just skim over yeah. I can't you can't yeah, skim I was an like, audiobook. Yeah, skimmy. Skimming you have to be listen. teaching you to self-defense yes scene. and that made it a bit harder but the performance of the woman was great her voice and the the actress they chose to do it was very Lady Danbury-esque Mm. So I really liked that because Lady Danbury is one of the reasons why I love this book. So I love that her voice was so... I think that's a great choice so... of narrator as well. Yes, because, it because she's central to the plot She's too. so important to so, yeah, both I think of those that's characters. A, so I think it was a really good choice. Her performance of James was a little bit annoying, but I think that's. I think I felt that way as the book went on and I found him more and more annoying. Anyway, so started reading it. So it's narrated by... Rosalind Landor. Who I think has done some Georgia Hayes yes, novel. So narration. that's the version I listen to if you are listening to this review and are like, oh my gosh, I definitely want to do the audiobook version. Mm -hmm. That was great. I started it. They started being friends. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. This is the reward. Blah, is there blah, a blah, big blah. but? Yes. Basically, for me, I love this book, would recommend it till the cows come home. I would read it a million times up until the point where things properly cross over into we are not friends, we are a courting or whatever. Yeah. Because when they started to be that kind of relationship, I found the way she was characterised to be so kind of powerless and submissive-y that 
I didn't like it very much. I didn't uh, like that. Okay. I didn't like the way that progressed. I also didn't like how aggressive he was when that's how their relationship became. There was a lot of like uh, that kind of vibe in romance novels where the guy didn't finish and it's like he's a hero. Like she's got to apologize and apologize and apologize. So I, so he's I wonder whether this and... is because you have your thing where you can't not hear something when it's said. But I'm reading this hard copy. Absolutely. I don't you remember any of those things. La 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 la. There was just la, a la. lot. And again, it's because the audio. It's the audiobook component of it because mm. she's she's like, oh, but I. And he's like, I don't need to explain it's this acted. to you. Yeah, it's okay, acted that's out. the reason why. It's I, acted yeah. out. And I was like, we come back to this yeah. a lot. Don't we? The, yes. when you, the format through which you format engage with the important. novel it's so important. can change how you feel about a character. Mm-hmm. And I think, hey, I recommend it. Hard copy. Hard copy. I would, I would probably say do the hard copy. And then I there's also a section in the book, which, again, I won't go super into. The pumpkin? No. Oh, oh my God. You're in this pumpkin. <laughs> it's the climactic moment it's, is where the pumpkin it's is. It's kind of. Yeah, but the pumpkin Ish. isn't central to the climactic moment. Oh. It's just she's climactic moment adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> I just really I think I really want a pumpkin costume. You need to just shelve the okay, pumpkin fine, situation. At any rate, there is a moment in sort of like maybe two-thirds of the way in before the pumpkin where she is attacked by someone. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And I totally forgot this was even in the book. So did I. Uh, and then it happened. Now... He saves her, obviously, because that's the reason the attack is in the book, as a plot device to get to give them a moment of intimacy and not like sexual intimacy, but a moment of emotional, emotional vulnerability and yeah. intimacy together. The attack is quite traumatic. So upon my reread, it was not like someone grabbed her bum and she was like, oh, and then she looked around and realized she was all alone with this man and oh, this could go badly, he intervenes. It's not that. It's more, it is more aggressive than that. It's like, it's a much closer call and a lot longer where she and her attacker are together and she has reached that point where you're like, I can't fend you off. And then that's when he arrives, saves her, and he do- and that whole his the way he intervenes is traumatic and aggressive and violent and a lot, right? And there's a couple of moments where I think Julia Quinn, particularly in her earlier writing, does this, and I, and particularly coming back to it as an older woman, that I'm like, oh, interesting. And being, you know, much later on and not in the 90s, so we have different sensibilities. Mm. But Good word, sensibility. If you're going to use something like that as a plot device, I think as a reader, for me, it needs to be actually dealt with and managed. Yes. So uh, yes, it isn't. It isn't. So yeah. she is traumatized by this for an afternoon. They do their vulnerability moments. They do, and they then share she's totally fine about each other. And he then, comes yeah, back in. She's in a, t- and then it's never mentioned. Yeah, we neither of us remembered. That I did not remember point. that assault at and I, all. And I think it's be- the fact that it isn't. It doesn't inform the rest of the narrative. No. Probably is why we don't remember it as but a component of the story. It's not okay. Mm, that it, it's not. I found it very not okay that it didn't inform the rest of the story. Yeah. And mm. I was like, I felt like he was, even if you ignored that, I still felt like he was too aggressive. I felt like she had emotional responses to things that were completely valid in the moment, being embarrassed, being feeling a little betrayed, feeling a bit like conflicted about things. Sure. She was, again, I agree with you, a little bit Tweety tweety about the whole, like she her pride was a bit got a bit. Her annoying. pride got annoying, and it I got, got annoying. too focused on the. You got Eaton. too focused on the Eaton thing, and I love <laughs> because I, I love it. Dear listeners, my 
readings are always superficial, despite the amount I cry in a novel. It's so I have the funny, ideal isn't reader, it? and you're like, huh? Her the near rape trauma wasn't <laughs> dealt with. Trigger alert, everyone! And you're like, oh god, if she talks about sending that kid to Eaton one more time, <laughs> so what's wrong funny. with the state school? <laughs> this podcast, this current podcast, could be entitled. Did they read the same book? <laughs> two women read two completely different books and talk about it. That could be the title of our podcast. It's going to be interesting because there's some coming up where I know we're going to have a similar layer of conversation. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, and so, yeah, I found that really – I found that quite a barrier this time around. So I actually had to abandon the audiobook. Interesting. Okay. I had to abandon the audiobook and go to a physical copy mm-hmm. because I was like – I just need to burn through so, it again. It was it would just went too far for me. It yeah. went too far to then not be dealt with. So for me, it's a real tough one. It's almost a, if you could just skip that chapter, you, then you actually, to be honest, can could skip, skip that, that chapter. chapter. You'd only need to read their emotional, intimate bit at the end to understand what her deal is and what his deal mm. is. I think though that the fact that that is in the book, the problem I have with this book is just a lack of respect for her emotional experience. Too mm. much of what she is going through and how she feels gets dismissed as you are a woman and women are hysterical and the men are strong and I will take care of you. And it's just that. So I guess it's just a bit simplistic in that way. It's so hard because if I could just do the first third, two thirds of the book, I would I recommend sometimes it. When I'm like, I like this book, mm. but I don't like this bit. And you're like, make a decision. But you don't have to. I'll let you be like, I, I, often, I often let you be a fence sitter. I yeah. I look by all means. There's so much to recommend this book. There are certainly less problematic books that have friendship that turns into love. Yeah, like what happened in London. Also yeah. by Julia Quinn. Yeah, with Sir Harry Valentine. Yeah, such great a good book. hero. Such a good book. So I would say read it. Hard copy. Skip bits. Skip I bits. always skip bits. Clearly, oh, you know I what? skipped lots of bits in you this book. You know what? It's a yes for a recommend because I actually think it's super important, even today, in the same way that I don't think we should rewrite history to forget really bad things that we've done to each other as human beings, right? Mm. I think this is a good one to read to go, oh, huh. no, that's not okay. The way he treated her there was a bit toxic. The way he treated her there was a bit should toxic. Should they have ended up happily ever after? Exactly. So, yes, I would say read it because Lady Danbury is worth the read. But if anything, I would say, yeah, it's an interesting and thought-provoking because it's it's one of those ones that I think when I read it over 10 years ago flew under the radar for me. Was you know what I mean? Because it's not like it's not like a Kathleen Woodwiss where the, oh, I just can never finish them because I'm like I'm creeped yes. out, or, uh, or even like to catch an heiress where you're like, oh, this you is kidnapped her. I'm not okay with this turning into love. So it's not even those where it's these big glaring, obvious things that are mm. not okay. I think this one for me flew under the radar all those years ago and it's so interesting that it was so glaring to me now that I was like, this doesn't get to fly under the radar. This is not okay. Right. So, yes, I would say Mm. complicated recommend from me. Sorry, everybody. Mm -hmm. But a recommend from Amy. I'm so proud of you for doing a complicated recommend. Thank you. Thanks. 
And a recommend from Amy. Who did not engage in any of the complexities in this book. (laughs) All right, wrap us up. So, thank you once again for joining us. Yes. And tune in next week. We'll bring you more, perhaps complicated, perhaps not complicated. Recommends, maybe. Recommends, reviews, recaps for whatever we read. But until then, as always, happy reading! And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.